Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. I mean, that's a way to get the morning started out, right? Amen? <laughs> well, hello, Ginghamsburg family. It feels so awesome to be worshiping together. Our Fort McKinley family, y'all, can you wave to us? Can we see the Fort McKinley family? Can you get them up on the screen for me? I can see them here. There they are. Everybody say hello to the Fort McKinley family. I want to hear it up in this place, Tip City. Let's make it loud. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you joining us online, put a woo-woo in the comments. I want to see what, what y'all have to say today. It is good to be together. Now, I recognize I got one shot to give a word, an encouragement, a challenge, and I'm not throwing away my shot. Thank you, Hamilton. Now, speaking of song lyrics, about a month ago, I found myself in Denver, Colorado at the Festival of Homiletics. It was this conference for preachers, and there preaching was a guy named Dr. Reverend Otis Moss III. And he was talking about Tamar, a story from 2 Samuel about sackcloth and ashes. I'm not going to get into the details of that message, but I want you to Google Otis Moss III. You're going to be glad that you did. I mean, you talk about a powerful preacher. And when he was done with his entire message, uh, he, he called up the, the house band and he asked them to sing a song. And I was thinking, I was getting ready to him hear a hymn or a Sunday morning song, but no. He finished that message with a powerful Stevie Wonder ballad, Love's in Need of Love Today. Good morning or evening, friends. Here's your friendly announcer. I have some serious news to pass on to everybody. What I'm about to say could mean the world's disaster, could change your joy and laughter. To tears and pain It's that love's in need Of love today Don't delay Just sing your zin right Let me just be honest, man, one of the things I'm going to miss about this church, you just call someone up and be like, Milton, sing this song for me. And then he just does it so amazingly. Love is in need of love today. From Buffalo, New York to Uvalde, Texas, from the Ukraine right into our own backyard. Love is in need of love today. Look around. We are surrounded by division and hatred and straight-up violence. 
And brothers and sisters, sometimes we find ourselves in places and spaces where we are tempted to other one another, to put each other in the enemy category. But let me be plain. It is downright sinful, disobedient behavior for Jesus' followers to hate one another. Can I get an amen? It is so much easier for us to add to the noise, to just pile on the political BS, for us just to get involved in all the rhetoric, than for us to actually take a deep breath and look around ourselves and recognize that love is in need of love today. But it is oh so tempting to just see someone who doesn't look like us, vote like we do, think the way that we think, and say that that person is not like me and therefore an enemy. Dare I say, it is simple for church folk to get caught up in being right, self-right, what the Bible calls self-righteousness. We get so focused on being right that sometimes it soils our souls and our relationships. I'll never forget, I was in a world religions class at Anderson University. I had to be like a freshman or sophomore in college, and I was taking this course because I wanted to gain understanding. Truth be told, I didn't know much about world religions, and so I was eager to learn. You realize that we as Christians can learn about other religions, honoring and respecting their practices without getting too caught up and letting go of our own, right? I mean, we can do this work together. But there was a guy in my class he was all like bitter and heck-bent on making fun of every other religion's practice, any religion outside of the Christian religion. And so the, whether it was Sikh or Hindu, Muslim or Buddhist, it didn't matter. He was poking fun every single time. And when he opened his mouth in that class, I just wanted to squeeze him, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. I literally thought to myself, Sweet Jesus, do not put this jerk on the mission field. <laughs> and then I was reminded of the story of a guy named Saul. Saul was the guy in my world religions class. Not literally, but he was that kind of guy who was so heck-bent on being right. He had this understanding that the way that he believed and practiced his religion was the way to believe and practice your religion. And so he had this habit of persecuting and belittling and making fun of and downright at times overseeing the execution of these religious people called Jesus followers, first century people of the way. Saul was heck bent on destroying them. That is until he had this encounter with Jesus himself on the way to this place called Damascus and that set him on his tail. At the same time, there was another guy named Ananias, who was a faithful follower of the way and had to choose to love in the face of hate. This story is found in the book of Acts, so I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles and your Bible apps and turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Now, Acts is part of a two-volume set, Luke and then Acts. The book of Luke is all about telling the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And we get to Acts, and it's kind of the rest of the story. How God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, empowered ordinary human beings to really chase the world as we know it. 
And these Jesus followers, these people of the way, uh, their worldviews were turned inside out and upside down. I mean, they had this whole new rhythm of life, this new spirituality that, that challenged the status quo. It's in the midst of that. Saul is heck-bent, traveling to Damascus and annihilating some of these Jesus people. And he experiences Jesus in this bright light and is knocked down and blinded and given a new vision, a new purpose, a new calling that set the world on fire. This is Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 10. Church, you with me. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he, was seen, uh, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim the name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, can you imagine this? Ananias is a follower of Jesus, and yet he's been given this ambitious calling, go to the guy named Saul. You mean the guy who's persecuting Christians, that guy, that Saul? Yeah, that one. Oh, heck no, I won't go. I mean, that's what Ananias is saying. And if we get honest with ourselves, we recognize that we too, as human beings, Fort McKinley, I know this is true of me, it may be true of you, that sometimes there are just people we don't like. Oh, Pastor Rachel, we are Jesus followers. We love everyone. Let's do a little experiment, shall we? OH. Now, if anybody in here, oh, said anything else, can you feel the resentment just growing in your body? Like those people who cheer for that team up north? Already, I'm like, I don't like you. <laughs> right? I don't like you. I don't know you, but I don't like you. This is our human condition. There are people that we just don't like. They don't cheer for our teams. Have you ever had a person at work, like, you love tacos, and they have a taco aversion, and you're like, oh, man, why can't you just like tacos? Or that person who's in your friend group, who's always a topper, you know, has a bigger, better story to tell. Ooh. Those humans get on our ever-loving nerves. Now, this kind of thing is way worse than that. Saul is persecuting Christians, terrorizing them. And so when Ananias gets this news, he's like, oh, that guy? That's all? Heck no, I won't go. Now, Saul, you got to understand, is a Pharisee. Pharisees were known for their meticulous keeping of the law. They were the rule keepers. And not only is he a Pharisee, but he's also a Roman citizen. You talk about power and privilege. He didn't barter for it. He didn't beg for it. He didn't have to, like, pay someone off to get it. No, he was born into it. Here is this guy with both political and religion, 
religious power and privilege. And brothers and sisters, let me remind you in the first century, those two things aren't separated. There is no separation of church and state. It is all one and the same. So this guy is coming with the full force of everything to look at these people who call themselves Jesus followers, people of the way, and to destroy them. I mean, these Jesus followers were saying not that Caesar was Lord, but that Jesus was Lord. That this ragtag street preacher from this no place called Nazareth was there as the anointed one, the Messiah, and that they were to pledge their allegiance to King Jesus. And Saul mustered all of his power and his privilege and his zealousness for the law to destroy those people. Heck no, we won't go. Brothers and sisters, I know that this Saul, this Saul was terrorizing people. And so when Ananias hears this, he, even though he wants to be obedient to God, there is this fear that wells up inside of him. And maybe that's happened to you. Have you ever felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit to reach out to someone you don't like? A person that maybe has harmed you or hurt you? And when you feel that, you're like, wait a second, mm, Jesus, I'm not sure about that. I know with all the lovely things that those people just said about me, it's hard for you to believe, but there are some people that say mean things to Pastor Rachel, right? I mean, they say some really hurtful things. And sometimes the Lord asks me to reach out to them, and I'm like, hmm, not sure about that, Jesus. <laughs> Let me sit on that for a moment. And if I sit on it, this resentment and this bitterness grows within me. And before I know it, I feel this like corrosion of my soul. And the Holy Spirit will come up again and say, hey, Rachel, what about that person? Not yet, God. <laughs> Not yet. And there comes another nudge and another nudge. And by the 75th time, it's a downright shove from the Holy Spirit. And guess what happens? If I don't reach out to that person, I'm miserable. They're not miserable, I'm miserable. Maya Angelou reminds us that anger and resentment and jealousy doesn't change the heart of others, it only changes yours. And Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That bitterness gets rooted in us. So who is it in your life? that God is asking you to reach out to? Who is it in your life that you need to send that text of encouragement? Who is it that you need to pick up the phone and say, please forgive me for harming you? Who is it that you need to have that hard conversation with? Because brothers and sisters, if we don't have those hard conversations, we can't fully be healed because healed people heal people. Say that with me, healed people healed people. Ananias, this follower of Jesus, has experienced the healing and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has been transformed from the inside out. That didn't keep him from having bias towards someone like Saul, who was a Pharisee and a Roman citizen. And yet, when God gave him the nudge, he was obedient. And God gave him a very specific nudge. Go to Straight Street. By the way, that was like a thoroughfare in the first century. Go talk to a guy named Saul from Tarsus. Do you realize he basically gives 
Ananias, the guy's street address, and his Facebook profile. I mean, he is getting a very specific order from the Lord. Now, have you ever had something like this happen to you? Like you have this nudge that says you need to go get milk from the grocery store. And you're like, oh, I don't really need milk. Go get milk. All day, all you can think about is going to get milk. And so finally, you just go to the grocery store and you get milk. And there you are standing in the aisle, the milk aisle. And suddenly you encounter another human being. They start talking to you and you realize they're in deep need. And you begin praying for this person. And all heaven breaks loose right there in the milk aisle. Oh, just me. That only happens to me, right? No, it happens to all of us. All of us who call in the name of Jesus. Here's the interesting thing about the nudges of the Holy Spirit. You know, the first nudge is kind of like subtle. And so when you're obedient to that nudge, you get another nudge. And the next one's not so subtle. And you keep building these spiritual muscles and learning how to obey the Holy Spirit. You get stronger and your faith grows and you get more and more specific instructions. And let me tell you, if it doesn't, if you don't obey, you can't sleep at night. You just got to obey what the Lord wants you to do. And so Ananias obeys the Lord. He's scared about it. It's got him messed up. And yet, because he's a healed person, he goes and heals people. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. And he's placed his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And he got up and was baptized, meaning massive life change. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Did you hear what Ananias called him? Brother Saul. Here's this enemy, basically a terrorist against these Christians. And he comes up to Ananias, or he comes up to Saul and says, Brother Saul. Making him a part of the family of God, even before we've heard he's had a heart change. He calls him in. He doesn't call him out. He calls him in. So brothers and sisters, what would it look like if we actually did the same thing when we're having difficult conversations ourselves, whether face-to-face or over the interwebs? That we called people in instead of calling them out. That we said, we're on even ground because guess what? We're all beloved children of the living God and that's our starting place. And Ananias comes to Saul, brother Saul. And then what does he do? He tells him his Jesus story. And what's happening here? There's a vision, a double vision. Both of these guys have the exact same vision from God. We call that confirmation. And so it's been confirmed. God is working in both of their lives. And so Ananias does what the Lord asked him to do. He places his hands on Saul and Saul is healed. Because of Ananias? No. Because of the power of God working in and through Ananias. Do you see everybody has to be obedient in this scenario? Saul's obedience, Ananias' obedience. And they experience healing. Healing from God. Because guess what? We don't control the miracle. God does. We don't control the miracle. God controls the miracle. Healed people heal people, transform people, transform people. When we experience wholeness, we can't help but share that wholeness with other human beings, being co-participants with God in God's work. 
In the month of May, I was listening to a leadership clinic that was sponsored by our own bishop, Bishop Gregory Palmer. He had invited another Gregory, Father Gregory Boyle of Homeboy Industries to come and speak about his experience. He has a brand new book entitled The Whole Language, The Power of Extravagant Tenderness. Ooh, extravagant tenderness. Now, I was so impressed with Father Gregory Boyle. He was talking about an experience he had where he was asked to go and speak in Virginia to a group of social workers. They had like a gang in service day. And he thought when he went that he was only supposed to like give the keynote address, but then he quickly found out he had the whole day. And he was like, I'm not doing that, screw that, I'm not. And so he brought a couple of what he calls homies with him, Andre and Jose. And Jose, who is like this tattooed, lifelong gang member who's been transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ, gets up and starts talking about a story. And his story's pretty rough. He says when he was six years old, his mom looked at him and said, why don't you commit suicide? Six. At nine years old, she took him to an orphanage, didn't tell anybody, and dropped him off there. And it wasn't until his grandmother begged his mother to tell him or tell her where he was that she came and rescued him. He said, I was beaten every single day by things you can imagine and things you can't imagine. And so every day I wore three T-shirts. The first t-shirt to soak up the blood, the second the blood still seeped through, so I had to wear a third t-shirt. And everybody made fun of me because it was so daggone hot. And I wore t-shirts long into my adulthood to cover up my wounds. But then God. And then he said, but now, but now I welcome my wounds. My wounds are my friends. How can I help heal the wounded if I don't welcome my very own wounds? Father Gregory went on to say that all and wonder filled that room that day. And I imagine that's exactly what was happening with Ananias because guess what? Ananias was a wounded person and he was healed by the Lord Jesus Christ and wounded people get healed and then healed people heal people. That's how it works. Jesus said it this way, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another, and by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you actually love one another. You want to talk about challenging the status quo. This is the ultimate sign of healing and transformation. Loving regardless, say that with me, love regardless. Your brothers and sisters, We're doubting God's power when we're not loving in the face of hate. We're manipulating and dare I say mutilating the gospel when we use the gospel as justification for hating people and people groups. It was the unconditional love of God that transformed Ananias. It was the unconditional love of God that made this guy look at a Saul and say, you know what, I can do that. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. It was this irrational love that set the world on fire, then turned things inside out and upside down. Love in the face of an ever-present hate. Come in close, because I want to tell you something. As your pastor, I don't always get this. I love Jesus. My life has been transformed by Jesus Christ, but sometimes 
the culture of comparison, or my desire to be right, or the fact that I just don't like some human beings really tags at my heart. Because <laughs> I'm broken and wounded and a work in progress. And it'd be so tempting for me to just be like, la, I got it all together, but I don't. Then to be honest about the fact that Jesus' unconditional love is still healing me from the inside out. But here's what I know, I gotta grab onto that love every single day. What if we, all of us together, received God's unconditional love and gave God's unconditional love every single day. What would happen in this church? What would happen in communities in a strange relationship? What would happen if our default was always love regardless? Because love is in need of love today. Don't delay. Send yours right away. For the last eight years, I have tried my best to love Jesus and do something about it. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, sometimes I've gotten it really wrong and sometimes I've gotten it really right. But I've come to recognize, like, no matter how good I preach, no amount of incredible strategies, if my hair is on point, because most of the time it is. <laughs> Just saying. It doesn't matter. Because guess what? The only thing that matters is that the God of the universe claims me as a beloved daughter of the living God, and that's what I operate out of. Right? And the only real calling that I have is to help you understand that for yourselves. It isn't about what you do. It's about who you are, your identity in God. You are beloved children of the living God. That is who you are. So brother, sister, don't add to the noise. Don't continue fighting and being part of the division. Love regardless. Love in the face of hate. Let me pray over you. Lord Jesus, it has been a holy honor and privilege to be part of this faith community for the last eight years. I was the ripe old age of 33 when I came here and I had no idea what I was getting myself into and neither did this faith community. And yet, with grace and love and honor, we have been together and God, I just praise you for these communities here in the Tip City community, our online community, our Fort McKinley community. God, we need one another. We are truly better together. And so, God, I just pray that you continue to pour out your Holy Spirit over every single person hearing this message today, no matter where their location is. That, God, they would receive your love and then in exchange share that love unconditionally with every single human being they encounter. Lord God, someone needs to hear today that they need to give themselves grace. Grace upon grace because you see them as a beloved child, one that you wanna draw close. Lord God, I do pray for this next pastor, for their family. God, I know you know the person. And so God, just pour out your Holy Spirit on this person and make this person just be filled so much with your spirit. 
They bless this congregation, this community, this region, and the whole wide world. Lord God, I pray that they, you would do through them above anything they could ever ask or imagine. And Lord Jesus, forever, forever place Ginghamsburg Church in my heart. May I be a champion for this faith community until my dying day. I pray this and I claim this in Jesus' holy name and everybody said, amen and amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.